It's all about who. And Colin has said a number of key lines. The most healthy and mature Christians are those who are ministering. Sounds as though I'm in the O2 arena. Is it as boomy to you? Hello, O2. Not that I really want to do that. Anyway, that's what happens when you watch Peter Kay once, once a week. <laughs> Just get into that. So the most healthy and mature Christians are those who are ministering, those who are actually doing something with the relationship that they have, partnering with, with God, partnering with the Holy Spirit, and actually doing something, serving people, ministering to people. Our wholeness is received in pursuit of Jesus Christ, not in pursuit of our wholeness. So it's all about going after that relationship. And as we go after that relationship, then we become more mature and whole. And maturity and wholeness comes through the process of ministering to the needs of others. So today, the title of the message is, It's All About Me. I don't know whether I ever envisaged actually given a message on it's all about me because part of me is going to have a message about it's not all about me, it's not about us. You've heard that lots and lots of times. But actually, it is all about me. And if we understand and connect and get that in place of how we fit in to the bigger picture, then uh, if we find that, if we apply that, if we understand that, then all heaven breaks loose. So this morning I want to call compel, convict you to get into your understanding, a revelation of who you are in Christ, where me fits into the the big picture. So who am me, myself, I? Well, if we start top down or objective using, as we've used in the other series, uh, talking about worldview, about the absolute truth as revealed in scripture, a brilliant guy called Neil Anderson has a list called Who I Am in Christ, and Peter's going to put it up there if it's not already up. And I'm just going to read down the list. I'm not going to talk very much about it, but as I read it, let it impact you as to the the absolute nature of it, okay? First of all, it's in three sections. I am accepted. I am God's child. As a disciple, I am a friend of Jesus Christ. I have been justified, declared righteous. I am united with the Lord, and I am one with him in spirit. I have been bought with a price, and I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I have been chosen by God and adopted as his child. I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I am complete in Christ. I have direct access to the throne of grace through Jesus Christ. Absolute truth. I am secure. I am free from condemnation. I am assured that God works for my good in all circumstances. I am free from any condemnation brought against me, and I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am hidden with Christ in God. I am confident that God will complete the good work he started in me. I am a citizen of heaven. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. I am significant. I am a branch of Jesus Christ, 
the true vine and a channel of his life. I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. I am God's temple. I am a minister of reconciliation for God. I am seated with Jesus in the heavenly realm. I am God's workmanship. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Even as I was reading that out, I, you could feel the, the absolute truth becoming manifest in our midst. That's who we're called to be. That's the objective, top-down, who me is supposed to be. But we know, bottom-up, subjectively, uh, and subjective is defined as uh, that which is influenced by personal feelings or opinions that some of those things we struggle with. We, we, we struggle with stuff and it's all the more acute because it's about me and me being who I am and my very being. And some of us have found it very hard to embrace the aspects of that list. And if you really, if there's some of those aspects of that list and you find it, find it online and you really go, I don't, I don't get that. I mean, I know that it says that in Scripture. Ah, there's a big gap between where I am, where me fits in with that statement. If you really struggle with that, then talk to us, especially talk to Colin. Maybe you need to chat that through. Maybe you need some ministry about that. But go after that. But some of us can, we can justify our, our position because of what has fed into who we are, what has shaped us from when we were born and grew up. We talked before in a previous series about worldview, the glasses that we have, how we see ourselves, how we perceive ourselves when we look in the, 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 the mirror. And we have had uh, previous experiences of what was done to us or what we did to others or uh, uh, what we have done ourselves that has shaped us and left our mark as we've gone through our lives. And that could have left marks of pride, failure, inadequacy, unworthiness, self-loathing, you can fill in the blanks of, yeah, yeah. And that's further compounded by parts of the, the body of Christ which have emphasized more law than grace, more uh, right and wrong, good and bad, and so we feel condemned and judged uh, and bad and sinners and, and we just can't make the mark but the truth is that we are saints who sin and because we are in Christ we are a new creation 2 Corinthians five seventeen to 19 says therefore if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come the old has gone the new is here all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Now the heart of today's message is this. We must die to ourself, our me, that we might fully live and wholly partake in his divine power. In the Amplified version in Matthew 16, 24 to 26, it says this. Jesus says, If anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, 
he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests, and take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. For whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. But whoever loses his life in this world for my sake will find it. That is life with me for all eternity. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, wealth, fame, success, but forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The Christian message is not about self-help or a better life. Self-help is about enthroning me. Death to self is about enthroning Jesus. And if we enthrone Jesus, then all the pieces come together. And when we talk, as we talked in the previous series, about our light shining and what do we have in our hand, we've got Jesus in our hand. And when we have Jesus in our hand and people see Jesus in us, then all the lights come on. All heaven breaks loose through us. The story of Peter going to the temple with John in Acts 3, and he goes to the the beautiful gate, and there it says in uh, Acts 3, there was a man who was lame from birth, was being carried to the, the temple gate, and when he was there, he said, give me some money. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And he said, and you might know the song, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have Give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up. And the, the man, he, he, and he, it says that he was really, it sounds like he was really quite aggressive about the whole thing. So he, he looked him in the eye and then he grabbed his hand and he pulled him up. And when the Spirit of the Lord is on people, it says in 1 Samuel 10 10 that you should do whatever seems good to you at the time. And I've been in places and seen things where, out of context, it was darn right weird. It was darn right wild, and it was, it was just, it would unnerve anybody who didn't see the context. But when it's in the Spirit, there's immediate fruitfulness that comes from it. And so he grabs his hand and pulls him up, and the guy starts to walk. Now, remember, this is a guy who has not walked from birth. That means he has no, he has got no muscles. He's never walked. He's never used his legs. It's not that he, you know, uh, my, my hip's been really bad. I had a hip operation, and suddenly I get prayer at the front and, and my, my hip suddenly done this massive improvement this guy had never walked so he goes in and he's, he's jumping and he's, he's praising God and everybody it says that when all the people saw him walking and praising God they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called beautiful and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him what had happened to him Peter me had got out of the way, let Jesus come and go, I don't have anything. But what I have is Jesus. Stand. All heaven breaks loose. Okay? Jesus said, follow me. And we need to follow the Jesus me when he says, follow me, not our own me. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life it's all, all its fullness. And in order to do that, we need to give it up deny ourselves and receive that life and the offer. That's the Christian paradox. Two things together that seem in contrary. In order to get life, we need to deny life. In order to live, we need to die. And that's 
that's where it all comes together. Satan's strategy is to stir up your soul, your personal needs and, and appetites and, and difficulties uh, so that your soul and your needs and your appetites, it's all about me, me, me. It's all about my needs. It's not about serving others. It's not about my relationship with God. It's about what's been done to me or what's happened to me or how I've been marked through life. Jesus calls our spirits to dominate, our spirits to lead, connect with his spirit. 1 Corinthians six seventeen. but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him. Romans 8, 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. With me denied and the follow me of Jesus embraced, then we all get the play. 2 Peter 1, verse 3 to 4 in the Amplified says, His divine power, not Northern Irish power, but kingdom of heaven power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. We all have this invitation to be destination disciples, the destination being wholeness and maturity in Jesus Christ. That's what's on the tin, destination church Belfast. It's not, you've arrived. Obviously, people haven't heard the message. Uh, You've arrived. But it's about the destination. We are destination disciples, part of destination church as a community of faith, prioritizing his presence, uh, being a community of known for his love, heading towards maturity and fullness in Jesus. And there's the rub. Well, how do we accept that invitation? How do we do that? And it's not about being special ones. We bring our stuff with us. And all the special ones that you might see either uh, in, in uh, church life or reading the Bible, they all, to a man and a woman, have brought their stuff with them. Biblical, uh, a couple of biblical examples. Abraham, a man known for his faith, and his faith was counted to him to righteousness. He's got his, his wife, and he's in the presence of King Abimelech, or whatever his name is, in Genesis 20. He passes his wife off as his sister. The king being the king in his, his land decides that he's going to take his sister for his wife until God turns up in a dream and says, you are in so big trouble. I'm going to kill you because you've taken Abraham's wife. And at that stage, he hadn't done anything with Sarah, uh, and he got away with it. But what's he, what's he doing? What's Abraham doing? He's just, he's going after God, but he, he's bringing all the stuff. He, he's messed up. Probably one of the most spectacular messed up people is King David. King David, who was the king of Israel's golden age, quoted by the apostle Paul in Acts 13, as a man after God's own heart. What a wonderful man. Wrote all the Psalms. Same man was standing on his roof when he should have been out fighting and and establishing his kingdom. Saw a woman uh, skinny dipping in a a bathtub on top of a roof. Decided he wanted her for his wife. Had an affair. Got her pregnant. Wanted him. 
the, the, the uh, husband to come back from the front line and to uh, spend some time with her so he could cover up the fact. It's like something you'd see in one of those Netflix movies, right? He, the, Uriah's too proud to do that, or not too proud, too honorable to do that. He's not going to lie with his wife when his, his band of brothers are out there fighting. So David ends up getting him killed. The child then dies. He doesn't uh, govern his family very well, and there, there's rape, uh, there is rebellion, and there's all kinds of stuff going on in, in, the, in the house of, of David and his uh, children. Absolute disaster. It says in 1 Chronicles 21, verse 1, that Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census. Now, the reason why that was forbidden was because if you're trusting in God, you don't need to know how many people are here. Now, we do count numbers here, right? But numbers are not important. It's not about numbers. It's about our relationship with him. It's about going after him and seeing what he can do in and through us. So as the nation of Israel, they never did censuses of the fighting men because you were trying to find out, well, how strong are we? As a result of that, God sent a plague. And as a result of that, 70,000 people died. 70,000 people died. But this is a man after God's own heart. So he brings his stuff with him. So if he brings his stuff with him, and the biblical example is just bring your stuff with you. Don't wait until you've arrived. Don't wait until you've got it together, because if you wait until you've arrived and got it together, you're never actually going to get there because you can't get there and arrive until you actually start to take your stuff with you and sort your stuff out and go on the journey. And as you do that and, and do what he says and yield to that, then all the lights come on and he can use you. So we bring our stuff with us. Do you know the story of the potter's house? Jeremiah 18, 1 to 6. This is the word of that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. So today, will you let him this is in, we were singing this in worship, right? This is in my notes, right? If, if God's not on this, if God's not, if he's not after us today, so what I have written, will you let him have his way in you? Many times did we sing, have your way, have your way, have your way in worship. Have your way in us. Have your way in me. Will you let him get his hands on you? The word potter in Hebrew is the same root word for the word formed. And if you're really into Hebrew, it's yatzer is potter and yatzar is formed. Don't know why you'd really be into that, but there you go. Uh, it says in Jeremiah 1, 5, when he got his call, before I formed you in the womb, I knew. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. God knows us. And the word for uh, known in that I know you is yada. 
And yad is the same word as Adam knew Eve. It's about intimacy. It's about oneness. It's about not just knowing about somebody. It's about knowing someone. God knows us. God's the potter. God formed us. He knows what he's doing. So will you let him have his way in you today? Will you let him get his hands on you? I mean, no. I mean, no, really. Not, well, you know, you can sort of do this side, you know, getting this side. Or you can have all this, but this is mine. I'm talking about just have your way. Here I am. I'm marred I'm on, the, on, on the wheel. Uh, I've made mistakes or things have been done to me, which I really, really have struggled with. Just slap me back on the, the, and do what you need to do. Have your way in me. Or are we going to let me rise up? Isaiah 45, 9. But doom to you who fight your maker. You're a pot at odds with the potter. Does clay talk back to the potter? What are you doing? What clumsy fingers? It doesn't have to be like that. Will you let him have his way in you today? Will you let him get his hands on you? My personal testimony would be the most uh, spectacular and definitive experience of, of my life in this area would be on the 10th of March uh, 2003, where I went to a conference in Belfast where a bald man from America said, I'm going to Zambia in six weeks' time. Anybody who wants to come with me, you're very welcome. In the following 24 hours, I got convicted to accept that invitation and very rapidly in those six weeks went in this huge, huge journey of denial and dying to self as I discovered I had to book all my tickets of 11 flights. I had to go on my own. I had to hang out with Americans. I had to, uh, I had to sacrifice my privacy. I'm a very private person, believe it or not, and I really, really don't like sharing hotel rooms with people. I don't know. And just, so by the time I got off the plane in Swaziland, because it was Swaziland and it was Zambia, I was beyond myself. I had gone so far out of my comfort zone that I didn't know where I was at or what was going, but I had one verse, one verse, uh, that just, and with one word in it, which was from the marriage uh, at Cana, where Mary said to the servants about Jesus said, just do whatever he tells you to do. So I, it was like I, I got off the, uh, the plane, put my foot in, in Africa, and it was, I'm going to do whatever. I'm just going to give it up. I'm going to give up my stuff. I don't know nothing. And I'm going to step out of this plane, and I'm going to do whatever. Whereupon I met by not then doctor, uh, but Dennis Bournes uh, and his team, and we went on two weeks of saturation ministry. Why is it called saturation ministry? Because it's just at you all the time. You're either eating and talking about the, the ministry to be, or you're eating and talking about the ministry that was, or you're ministering, or you're sleeping. That's basically the way it works. Just, 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 and you're saturating that for, for two weeks. So in those two weeks, I, I just had the most incredible uh, amazing, uh, awe-inspiring two weeks that showed me what God could do if I just let him, if I just gave up my stuff, if I just didn't try. I didn't know what I was doing. But Dennis would say, like on a Tuesday afternoon, okay, you're the person who's going to give the, the, 
uh, gospel message to this school. I know many of you heard this story before. This school, uh, and so I give the gospel message, and he said before, and, and remember, you always ask for a response. Always preach to a response. So I give my message, and I think, that was crap really, really not good. That was really, really dry. I feel really, really awkward. And then I go, okay, go to the response. If anybody would like to give, I probably did have a little bit more enthusiasm about that, but it felt inside. The soul was going. If anybody wants to receive Jesus Christ as their, as their friend, just, just, just put your hand up. And let me put their hand up. And then a hand goes up, 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 and then a hand goes up. And then one Tuesday afternoon in Africa, I led more people to Christ uh, than I had up to that point in, in my life. What's that all about? I didn't know what I was really doing. I'd done like summer clubs, and I was brilliant at summer clubs because I just whipped the kids up in an absolute frenzy. And there was one called Monkeys Scripture Union, and they were doing a debrief after the week and said, you two monkeys were really good. But the problem was we had no chance of doing anything with the kids after you were on. They're just like hyper and wild. I have actually got people to storm stages in primary schools. Chaos has ensued when I've done I can do that sort of thing. But leading people to Christ... I'm just going to stand on that potter's wheel and let him use me the way he wants to use me. And all heaven breaks loose. Went to a feeding station in Zambia and every single person that I laid my hands on was healed. Every single person. Still uh, humbles me and breaks me. I don't want to go, I'm such a special person. I want to crawl under a rock and, and, and cover myself because when I step out and let the potter use me and do what he wants to do in me because I'm not fighting and I'm not saying, no, I don't think you don't be putting it there. Heaven comes. Heaven breaks out. We got to prophesy to the queen of Swaziland, the queen of Swaziland, the first queen of Swaziland. We got to prophesy to the, uh, it's like in uh, the United States, Mr. President, he was the, he just stepped out of office, the, the president, but he's standing, they've got armed guards around him. We're prophesying to him. I don't know what, how did I get there? I got there because I went, stick me on the wheel, have your way. It's not about me, but it is about me because if I don't accept that invitation, if I don't step on that plane, if I don't deny myself, if I don't book those tickets, if I don't go, I don't know about Americans, I don't know about sharing a room with other people. And when I say that, you've no idea. Like, really, really, really uncomfortable. Heaven breaks out. So, two weeks changed my life. Got a hook in my jaws, Dennis talks, for the things of the kingdom. What I learned, principles from that, very quickly, and with this I'm going to wrap it up. It's all about me and obedience. Whatever. Oswald Chambers said, the golden rule for understanding spiritual, spirituality is not intellect, but 
obedience. If a man wants scientific knowledge, intellectual curiosity is his guide. But if he wants insight into what Jesus Christ teaches, he can only get it by obedience. Intellectual darkness comes through ignorance. Brace yourselves, strap yourselves in. Spiritual darkness comes because of something I do not intend to obey. Oh! Oh! Spiritual darkness comes because of something I do not intend to obey. Let's raise it up a little bit. Jesus Christ in John 14, 23, 24 says, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. It's all about me and obedience. Number two, it's all about me bringing my stuff, giving it up and nailing it to the cross. Galatians 2.20. Me, I have been crucified with Christ and me, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life, me, I now live in the body. Me, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I surrender. It's all about me acknowledging my spiritual poverty. Now get this. If you get this, I'm telling you, you're well in the way. Acknowledging your spiritual poverty. Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If we acknowledge that we just don't have it, just like... Isaiah in Isaiah 6 when he had a vision of heaven in the temple and he went, woe to me, I am ruined. I am undone because I'm a man of sinful lips. And the angel comes and touches his lips and then he hears uh, the, the, the Trinity talking about, well, well who's going to go for us? Who, who can we send? And he's, he's going, send me. Here I am, send me. But it came from his place of ruination. It came from his place of realizing, I just don't have it. I know I didn't have it in Africa. I mean, I so knew. They're talking about stuff, and I am going, I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, I had an intellectual ascent about healing, and then I, I did what they said, and I prayed for people, and all heaven broke loose. But I knew that I did not have it. And when we know we don't have it, that if God doesn't turn up, this is just a waste of time. This is just hot air. But... If we realize that, we acknowledge our spiritual poverty, then all heaven comes. It's all about me being childlike. Matthew 10, 15. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God as like a little child will never enter it. Trusting. Simple. Sometimes chaotic and messy. Always hungry. Always wanting food. Just not asking, uh, I think I know better than you, God, because you're all sovereign and, and ever-present and all-knowing, but I think I've got it down better than you, so I'm actually going to raise, I'm just going to be a little child. You're my father, you take me and show me what you want to do with me. It's all about me receiving revelation. It's all about me receiving revelation. Revelation for me was that this stuff 
this Jesus is alive, this kingdom of heaven, actually what it says in the Bible actually happens. The book of Acts is now. Acts today is now. I got marked by that. I got a revelation with that. And I want to tell people about it. I want to impart that. I want to, I want to stir people up about that. I want to see this island, these nations of the world change because heaven has come just as we were singing. And when heaven comes, everything changes. And finally, it's all about me becoming more like Jesus, the destination as a destination disciple. It's just about a process. It's about a journey. I'm still in the journey. I'm still in the process. I'm still seeing things. I realize sometimes I'm, 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 sort, of, I'm sort of slipping back here. Got to get back in front of him. Go have your way. Have your way in me. I've got a bit of hardness here or a, a, a bit of unbelief here. Come and, and just get your hands on me and sort me out. And if it was someone that all up in, in one phrase, it would be, it's all about him getting his hands on me and letting him use me. Two weeks of saturation ministry in Zambia and Swaziland changed many lives, transformed my life. Planted a seed, the birth of ministry, the plant of the church. Hello, everyone. Welcome to morning service. What if we were all to go on journeys like that? What if, if we know, I'm just going to stand on that, go, have your way in me. What could he do in and through us? How about we make it all about me? And let him really get his hands on us. Will you stand with me, please? Nathan? I would encourage you today, as you've been listening to this message, as you have been worshiping, as you have been saying, have your way, that today resolve, I mean really resolve, I mean really resolve, to let him have his way in you. So I'm going to ask some uh, questions for your response. I'd encourage you to come and just let him have his way with you anyway. But do you feel in any way disqualified from the invitation to be a full partaker in God's divine power? And are you willing to give up your stuff and let the potter really, really have his way in you and get his hands in you? And do you want to commit or recommit yourself to being a destination disciple so that you can be more like the destination, Jesus Christ. If you can answer yes to any of those questions or you just want to come and present yourself, please come to the front. We're going to worship and then we're going to minister.